You're listening to Driving Law, a podcast by Kyla Lee about all things related to the rules of the road. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee, and with me yet again, trying to take over my position as host, my co-hostess with the mostest, Paul Doroshenko. I'm really feeling like I'm, uh, I'm, you know, getting shunted to the side in some respects, despite the fact that I'm sitting here in the host chair. Uh, I've noticed that your new release song has had over 2,000 views in a couple of days. Well, it's a good song. I'm going to say that myself because I worked really hard on it. Mine's been, like my it. Women Whiskey Lawyers has been out since November, I think, or early December, something like that, and it's got 20,000 views. That's over two months now, or two months. You got 2,000 views since Tuesday, and this is Thursday night. More than yeah, 2,000. Well, I mean, I'm no, I'm no Rihanna, okay? <laughs> well, I know, but it's still, it's quite impressive. Oh, I, I think, you know, that as far as trying to gain YouTube stardom, which obviously I'm not trying to do, um, that is not the uh, not the uh, way to go. Actually, let me see. 2,900 views right now. 2,988 oh. views and that since Tuesday, and now it's Thursday night. So pretty impressive, and it's a great song, by the way. Well, maybe we'll play it for everybody at the end of the podcast. Good. Excellent. So let's get into it. Okay. Um, well, I wanted to start by talking about something that just made me angry. And it was ICBC launching this enhanced online insurance estimator program. They had this big press release at the beginning of the week where Mike Farnworth came out. You know, he's in charge of ICBC now instead of David Eby and said, we've got this estimator. So when the new laws come into effect, they call it enhanced care, but it's actually where you get less care. <laughs> it should just be called those... less money for your pain and suffering. Yep. Less money <clears throat> for you, law. Uh, when those come into effect, um, the uh, the um, uh, people can calculate how much of a refund they're going to expect at that time. So they're gouging us right now so they can give a refund to us next time, I guess. Yes. But I mean, also, I cannot believe how much I'm paying in car insurance, and I, like, have no claims. Well, it's also, like, the, you know, the, the calculator is just a, it's a ruse. It's a ruse to get people to buy into this new, um, new ICBC law. It's a way that ICBC essentially attempts to um, get people to think, oh, this is great. We should definitely do this, because I'm going to get this much money back, and, you know, it's it's the holidays right now. It was just the holidays, rather. And, you know, people this time of year, finances are tight. They spend all their money at Christmas. Now Everything's they're... propaganda, Kyla. It's a government doing something. It's a government insurance company. If it wasn't propaganda, it'd be advertising. Well, I just, I don't, I don't mm. like the way that it's, it's designed to make people support enhanced care. And I say that with air quotes. I get that it's propaganda, but it's 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 worse than propaganda. It's misleading. Okay. Yes, it is misleading. Um, and uh, what they don't tell you is relative to every other province. What you should be able to do is enter in your 
data. So your number of years driving, your number of years accident-free, and maybe the demerit points on your license, and see where you stand compared to other provinces' insurance. Um, you know, there's, it's easy, it would be easy to compare with Saskatchewan and Manitoba because they both have uh, public insurance companies, um, but maybe they could do some relative comparison with Ontario and Alberta as well to see. That is what I would like to see. I would like to know where I would stand and then, you know, maybe uh, 10 other average people would stand relative in other provinces. I expect that we probably have more expensive insurance for, you know, a number of other reasons as well. Uh, we have uh, a lot of very high-end cars in British Columbia, and and I think we're probably supplementing the insurance for those. Um, people in BC we, live longer. People in BC live longer. There's lots of uh, old people driving around, although they have very minor accidents when they do. Um, but of course, we also don't have the uh, we don't have the same uh, concentration of population in areas where there's snow. Uh, like regular snow, there's lots of areas of the province where there's regular snow, but it's they're not the areas where it's where it's heavy traffic or anything like that, like Toronto or or even uh, Edmonton and Calgary. Um, but um, we did we did major improvements on the more dangerous roadways in preparation for the Winter Olympics. The Sea to Sky Highway was massively improved and widened. The Coquihalla Highway has gone through significant improvements. Even Highway One. Um, sort of east of, of Langley is going through widening and improvements, the Portman Bridge, um, you know, all of these sort of more dangerous traffic areas have been improved in the last decade. Yeah. So I really want to know, I really want to know where we stand compared to other provinces. And I really would like to know where we stand with respect to payouts to people who are injured in other mm -hmm. provinces. You know, that is, that is where a, a useful online tool could exist. And some of these things, you know, that's the, uh, the, um, you know, the, the, there's a strange thing that arose from the internet and that is that you can rationalize things fairly easily that you historically might not want to rationalize because they would be, uh, there would be concerns about concentration of power and a monopoly and things like that. And you can see, you know, Amazon is, is created a monopoly as a result of the internet. Um, and there's things that you could have a fairly easy government type socialistic monopoly on because of the internet. And this is one of the things that could justify it or break it down. Yep. So I want to see a comparison tool. I don't want to just see how much I'm going to get back because, you know, the, the NDP government is forever devoted to this, uh, NDP, uh, created, uh, government insurance monopoly? Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I like the idea of a government insurance monopoly. Well, I'm glad that the government has a monopoly on sewers. You know, I don't want to have competing <laughs> sewer systems. Um, you, know, you know, they don't, they don't have a monopoly on garbage pickup here in the city of Vancouver. And well, that's contracted I, out. And I, I have had frustrating encounters with private garbage collectors. I know, I know. I preferred it when it was run by the city. And you think that the only reason that the city can't do it is because the city is paying a good wage uh, or the city is incapable of managing something. And you would think that the city should be able to make themselves capable of managing it. Managing is hard. I get that. 
but you know why it needs to go to a private company i don't know i mean the cost savings can only come somewhere uh, and it either comes from labor in other words paying people less um, mm -hmm. and uh, typically less than a living wage because you're not exactly getting paid a ridiculously high salary being a, uh, a city worker you know driving a garbage truck um, or um, or some other way that they cut back cut back on service um, or you know maybe the, there's just so much fat in the city management uh, why not just cut that back instead I don't know I'm I'm frustrated about it but as I say glad my sewer is uh, is socialist sewers and I'm pretty glad that the police department is a you know socialist police and the fire department I don't want competing fire departments because otherwise I think they'd be out there lighting fires think speaking of the fat cats and city management there's some real real nonsense going on with the city of Vancouver right now oh are you talking about the uh, the parking the parking. So there is a proposal in Vancouver to eliminate any free parking in the city. So, you know, free parking on residential streets where, you you know, you're going to go and visit your friends, can't park for free. Um, you want to go, you want to drive downtown and go to the courthouse for a 10-minute appearance, can't park for free. They're going to eliminate all of that. No, I mean, like in South Vancouver, where there's nobody, is empty streets. They want to eliminate the parking there yeah. as well. No free parking in Shaughnessy, even though nobody lives in any of those houses. Yeah. Um, you know, for people outside of Vancouver, you should know that we have, um, in many neighborhoods, really, really controlled parking. So the West End is obviously hugely heavily populated and so there has to be some spots where residents can park on the street and otherwise it would just fill up and the idea Ooh, there is the to West reduce End. the number it. of cars. In Kitsilano, similar thing, lots of parts of the neighborhood there. And 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 that does exist throughout Vancouver. There's spots where, you know, you can only park there if you're a resident of this street, mm -hmm. which is actually unenforceable apparently. Um, but there's other ones where you must have a permit and the city's driving around and they've got license plate recognition cars that will recognize your plate and it'll know whether or not you've got a permit and you know it makes it very quick and easy for those uh those city ticket uh bylaw people to uh to uh issue tickets now they're looking at doing that everywhere 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 my street there's yeah. always ample parking on my street there might be you know i complain every time i drive home because somebody's parked in the spot directly in front of the sidewalk that goes from the curb to my gate and I think that's a little bit rude because I live there and they know I live there and why are they taking my spot get over <laughs> it spot. get over but, it but this is ridiculous right it's absurd yeah. you can't park unless you have a permit and the purpose so like, here the purpose do you know the purpose shall I yes. say the purpose the purpose is just oh, try to oh. discourage people from having cars and driving and to encourage more oh, people shit. to take transit well, Bullshit. we're in a pandemic and a lot of people are not taking transit because it's not safe um, mm -hmm. <laughs> to be to be on the bus. I will tell you, you know, I have a very busy lifestyle. There's a bunch of things that I need to do, including, you know, being home to take care of my children and so forth. And if I had a 45-minute bus ride as opposed to a 18-minute uh, or 16-minute drive, uh, it would uh, it would not be something that I could 
could swing. And, uh, you know, I can't afford to hire somebody for that extra time to take care of my children, uh, even if I was saving the money by not driving my car. And I need to be able to get in my car because people get arrested. And sometimes I have to go to court. And sometimes something else goes wrong with someone else in the office when they're driving to court and I end up having to go to court. Or, you know, yeah, you get tied up in court. You get a traffic ticket in North Vancouver and it's, it goes to trial. And it goes to trial, and the trial starts at 11.30. And you don't finish before the lunch break, so you have to continue after the lunch break. But turns out you had a ticket at Robson at 1.30. Now you've got to get in your car and drive to Robson to do the 1.30 ticket. Yep. So, I mean, I understand these people who are just car haters. Um, and uh, the car haters used to be car haters purely for, or uh, arguing purely on the pollution angle. Um, but now in Vancouver, we have so many electric cars. I mean, you can be driving along and there can, there can be five Teslas around you. You can be the only gasoline, I'm the only gasoline car sometimes. Uh, or electric so it's, it's, or hybrid even. Yeah. So it's no longer an issue of, of, it's just like car hate. It's just car and hate. Just it's that, not... You know, we, we, uh, who's, who's thinking about the future, right? There's the legislation that's already been passed that's going to require all new vehicle sales to be electric vehicles in the future. So we're going to have zero emission vehicles soon enough as the majority of the vehicles populating the Vancouver city streets. But the thing is, Kyla, when you think of Vancouver downtown, you know, there is the congestion issue. I mean, it's not like other places in the world that have the congestion with cars, but there is a huge congestion issue uh, downtown. And, um, so that could be, you know, part of the angle to this is just to deal with the congestion. But but there's not really any more. And, you know, you, you probably don't experience the commute the same way that I do because I, you know. You have a longer drive and it's a, I have a, it's, drive a, and a it's a drive with more commute people going that direction. I have people going the opposite direction toward UBC. Bridge and tunnel crowd. But yeah. one thing that, you know, that I've noticed since the pandemic is, you know, when things opened up again, like in May, um, and we had this return to normalcy, traffic kind of returned to normal. For May, June, July, August, it kind of returned to normal. And then when cases started rising again, people went back to working from home again, and traffic has, has really eased off. I mean, it's not terrible right now. And some mornings I can get to the office in about 17 minutes. So wow. it's it's not that bad. Um, and I think you know, as, as more people adjust to working from home, um, we're going to see more and more people continue to work at home. I get it. I have a pretty good method of measuring, and that is the parkade where I park. You don't park in the parkade uh, where no. I park. You park in a different spot. And so each day I get to see how many cars are there. And it's a building that is uh, designed for like 600 people or something like that. The security guard told me at one point there was only 35 people working in there. I've n not seen more than maybe 60 cars since the pandemic started. Mm -hmm. And usually I'm in my little spot uh, and there's a, a row of 15 maybe parking spots and there's two cars there, me and one other. Um, I don't know what's going to happen to commercial real estate uh, I don't know that people are going to start working from home. Monitoring people working from home, I mean, continue working from home, rather. Monitoring people working from home is a bit of an issue. But again, it might be cheaper to have somebody working at 60% capacity uh, rather than having them come in. 
But and paying, you know, twenty three dollars a square foot. Oh, for like forty five dollars a square foot for the office where I, you know, in the building where I park. Um, and then the other thing, though, about that is, you know, is that sustainable either? Because I look at police reports and I see a decline in the quality of the police reports, particularly with young officers since the pandemic started. So we're talking about IRP report to superintendents. And it's because there's no mentoring because they don't have those same opportunities for mentoring. I mean, there's some, but we have this ongoing problem in the office right now, right? There's, you know, mentoring um, uh, students, uh, mentoring uh, support staff. Uh, you, you know, you can't get close to people. You're a long distance away. Uh, you know, I had somebody carry something to my car today so I could just have an opportunity to go outside and discuss things with them. Um, <laughs> in, in the, the mentoring angle is a bit of a problem. So what, what are, what's going to happen with those companies? How do you train people if they're not working together? How do you build a culture in the office if they're not working together? I think a lot of people are going to end up back in the office and I think by, Spring of 2022, downtown is going to be packed again. Well, we will we'll heard it here first, folks. Paul's prediction: we'll see in a year whether he's correct. Well, I might get I might get COVID and not make it. Who knows? It's true. You Doing everything COVID to avoid it. it. Um, well, you know, if that happens, please uh, leave a codicil somewhere uh, so that I can take over managing the firm, because otherwise there'll be a crisis. It's all yours. You've got it there. There's the oral <laughs> contract. Um, oh, yeah. the, it's very binding. Not, not binding. Uh, oh, well, send, me a, will. <laughs> send me a dollar. Um, now, another thing is there's been discussion about doubling up on masks to try and deal with the uh, the new variant. I was saying the other day that your song, your new song is a variation on the on another one. So you did a punk yep. version and then you did a, a loungy, um, more smoky version of it. And, uh, I call that a variant. Um, yep. but, uh, we still have masks for sale and we've uh, lowered the price on the last hundred or so that we have in stock. I see on the table here, there's a bag of a new bag with 25 on them. Oh yeah, so, those were for me to take one day when I needed a bag of them. Yeah. Then I had a bag. So they're still so, sitting here, but the, uh, I, Darren lowered the price to clear them out. So if you're going to the double up mask now, you can double up on lawyer told me not to talk to you and take off a second Two one. Masks, second, four layers now, of fabric, now endless protection, nine dollars and virus related. Nine dollars and ninety nine cents, <laughs> and hopefully they took off the don- donation to charity because I'm not donating five dollars now if it's nine dollars. Can't, can't donate because nine dollars we're selling them at cost. If anybody, uh, well, I, I don't mind selling them at cost or even less. The uh, If anybody's curious about the donations, I think we donated um, over $10,000 to food banks in Western Canada and um, a bunch of money to the, uh, some a little bit of money to the Innocence Fund and some to Pro Bono, Access Pro Bono. So we did make our donation and went far in uh, excess of what we were going to donate there. We have donated a lot of money to charities. In fact, I think overall throughout the pandemic, we've given away a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, but, you know, I, I think I think it was a duty of lawyers to do that. We were in the position mm-hmm. to be able to do it. It's not, you know, yes, it hurts. Uh, it, you know, it's money I could use in some other form or some other place or for some other thing. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it leads to uh, different uh, belt tightening. But it's... It's uh, also, you know, important. Speaking of masks, Paul. Go ahead. Traffic court 
saw a very interesting issue this week. <laughs> issue? You call it an issue? I'm yeah. I'm being I'm I'm being uh, kind to the accused, who probably doesn't deserve such kindness. So, as you know, and maybe our listeners don't know, because they hire us and they never have to go to traffic court because they have such excellent legal representation. <laughs> um, when you go to traffic court, in order to get into any of the court buildings, but um, traffic court uh, as as well, um, you have to first check in with the sheriffs. And the sheriffs ask you a bunch of screening questions and confirm that you are wearing and will continue to wear a mask. And I've taken it upon myself in traffic court uh, to become like little kind of mini mask police for the people who, as soon as they get past the sheriff, pull it down. You know, yep. they're wearing it as a chin strap or they've yep. got their nose out. Yep. And I'm like, nope, you, you got to cover your nose it. and your mouth. Now yep. I've done it too. I've, I don't understand the defiance. It's my workplace. But, they, but they're self-represented accused, so they're defiant to start with, and they don't want to hire a lawyer. Yeah, but you know what? They're less defiant with me, I think, because A, mm. I'm like a girl, um, and B, a defense lawyer. And so it's like I'm kind of on their team. They don't know who you are. Lots of people know who I am. Actually, it's they surprising how many people. it's surprising how many people at traffic court... <laughs> Have listened to, have been reading your website for four days before they go to traffic court on their own. It, it is. I was there. Uh, I was there earlier this week, the same day that the incident happened, and um, a guy said, "Oh, are you? You're you're Kyla Lee." And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh man, I should have hired you. I was all over. I was reading all your stuff. I should have. I really should have hired you." <laughs> yep, I'm sure at the end of the day, he really thought that. I have had that. Um, I've had people walk out and say, oh man, I should have hired you. I'll hire you next time <laughs> and take yeah. took my business card. <clears throat> um, anyway, so... It's very rare. You have, to, you have to wear the mask. You have to wear it the entire time. The only time that you take off your mask is if a, uh, if a justice directs you to do so. And usually that's for the purposes of ascertaining ID or sometimes if you um, if you can't be heard. I was in traffic court on Vancouver Island recently, and I was told to take off my mask because the, the courtroom was too big and there was too much black ice and glass. And you refused and yelled? No, I, I did take it off because of oh, did you? plexiglass okay. bubble, so it okay. was safe. I was barriered in, um, but I just couldn't be heard, so but I was safe. I, in the past, in the summer, I refused to take it off when I was asked to do so because there was no plexiglass or divider and the officer wasn't social distancing or wearing a mask. And I was like, nope. I'm not going to take it off. We can adjourn if you aren't willing to let me yell. <laughs> but in any event, um, back to this. Back to this. So, man comes into the courthouse and uh, refuses to wear a mask. The sheriffs are trying to persuade him to wear a mask. And somehow, things get out of hand when he starts spouting QAnon theories. Yeah, I mean, we heard about this afterward. It starts with, uh, we learned about it when uh, Mark Christensen, who's been mentioned here before, Sergeant Christensen of the uh, Vancouver Police Department, posted on his Twitter account, a little peeve tonight, two of my members were involved in a fight in the courthouse after an individual refused to wear a mask. One member ended up with a broken leg. Yes, and we know who it is, but we're not <clears throat> saying, because yeah. we will protect their privacy, but it is somebody that we like. And we like and we deal with. And, um, yep. you know, I, I can say that we generally like all of the officers who do traffic enforcement uh, because, um, you know, we get to know them. Yep. Uh, in any event, so 
uh, terrible, terrible situation. Guy comes in, he's an anti-masker, uh, apparently, and um, is just there to try and challenge it, and he's there to pick a fight. He ends up picking a fight, and a police officer there to protect us, and to protect everybody in the courthouse, and to enforce the law, ends up with a broken leg. And I'll tell you, I had a girlfriend who broke her leg, and it was, you know, her recovery was, it's never the same. And I know some other officers who've broken their legs. I've had clients who had broken legs from car accidents and things like that. And I have so much sympathy for somebody who's got a broken leg. Um, and I feel just awful for this officer. And I, uh, yeah. I reached out to uh, Mark Christensen and, uh, and I, you know, he's, his tweet is still at the top there. It was two days ago. Um, I, 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 my greatest sympathy for this officer and my heart goes out to the, uh, the VPD officers over this. Yeah upsetting I, i'm still you know, pissed off like and the and the sheriffs are actually very accommodating like if you don't want to wear a mask but you need to access the courthouse they will do things i heard from sheriffs in poco um earlier this week that um there was somebody who wanted to come to pay a fine at the at the traffic court registry but said they had a medical exemption and couldn't wear a mask so they cleared everybody out of the registry they made the person sanitized then they brought them in, escorted them in, left them in there alone, didn't let anybody else in, and escorted them out. And only one person worked at the registry counter behind plexiglass to take their payment. So they were able to do it, and they were able to do it in a safe way, and they were able to accommodate. I, another time I was in court, and I was talking to an officer, and a sheriff came up and handed a note to the officer and said, this person's outside the courtroom or courthouse. They're refusing to wear a mask. Um, we've let the justice know. Um, can you call her, talk to her about what her intentions are with the ticket? If you, you know, if you can sort it out, then we can do it by telephone with her outside the courtroom. Or if it's going to be for trial, it can be either adjourned or the trial can be by phone. So they have ways to accommodate you if you can't legitimately can't wear a mask. They will still serve you at court with all of the court services you need. Yeah. So this guy was just trying to pick a fight. Yeah. He's just trying to pick a fight. And some people are like that. You know, there are assholes out there. Um, there are people in our society who are just bad people. Uh, and you don't necessarily know I'm looking some, at them. Well, I mean, the problem people, people some people are bad and some issues. people have mental health issues. Sure. There's, and, but people are different. You know, oppositional a, defiance disorder. Yep. It's a pluralist society and we are filled with all sorts of different people and we do our best to try and deal with them, but we have struggled to deal with certain people. Um, but shout out to the sheriffs. Um, in the, in BC, the sheriff's service was established, uh, because the police used to provide basically the same service until people went to corrections. And that was sort of protecting the courthouse, uh, managing the courtroom, bringing people in who were accused. And eventually the sheriff's service was created. It's been around for now a long time. Uh, and over the course of my career, um, you know, I started going to court in 1999 when I was articling. Uh, I can tell you the, uh, the sheriff's service has improved. Uh, the quality of the people and their training has improved. And uh, I just have such great appreciation for our sheriffs in BC. Uh, mm -hmm. that it's really such a good service we get from them. And uh, they are, in my mind, chronically... Uh, um, underpaid. Well, not just underpaid, not 
given the respect that they deserve in the system. And part of a significant portion of that is pay. Uh, you know, people want to be paid reasonably well, and uh, they should be paid better than they are paid, especially when they also put themselves on the line met in much the same respect as police officers. You oh, think yeah. about it, and, out on the street, you've got, I'm sorry, out on the street, you've got, you know, a thousand people. Um, and out of those thousand people, you might have two or three people who are a threat. You go into a courthouse and if you've got a thousand people in a courthouse, you've got 20 or 30 people in there who are a problem, right? That's half the reason they're in court. So you got a higher concentration of people who are potentially disruptive. Players. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> are you, what, hey, don't slag defense lawyers. I know, you know, I, I say that good and I people. laugh, but there is actually a line of thinking. Like, you know, <clears throat> if you need to move a court file from one courtroom to the other, you know, they'll never hand it to the defense counsel. It only goes to the Crown, because only the Crown can be trusted not to alter a court file. Funny that, because, uh, you know, for my first 10 years of practice, I would be handed the file as often as crown would and half the time the crown wouldn't even be in the room and i would take the court file and i'd take the crown's file and the court file and i'd take the whole damn thing um and that was just you know nobody ever thought twice about it i never thought twice about it and these days now it seems to be um it seems to be uh uh it, it gives the sense of home field advantage you know like the the crown work in that courthouse, therefore they are just connected to the court, and it uh, well, takes and away some sense of the uh, independence of the court in in my mind. I was speaking to a prosecutor in a different jurisdiction recently, and the um, and the prosecutor, I was asking her, I said, you know, what's the likelihood that we're going to have an overbooked courtroom? And she said, oh, don't worry, I put a note on the file with the schedulers. Don't fucking put anything else in this courtroom. And I thought, you know, that's just not your job as Crown. It's just not your job to control the court lists. I'm like, obviously, I'm always hoping it's going to be overbooked because it's going to lead to a delay issue. But Sometimes like, I don't want it to be overbooked. Sometimes I want to get it on. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Um, so why are you interfering with the process, like getting in there and giving direction to court staff? That's not your role as Crown Counsel. And that's but it like seems it innocuous. It seems innocuous. It, it seems innocuous. like the innocuous yeah. thing, thing. And, you know, it seems like I'm not really, you know, but it reveals something. Yeah. It reveals the influence they have as opposed yeah. to defense counsel. And yeah, that is like one of those things. Yeah, and be like, look, don't put anything else in this courtroom. And Crown can do that, and we can't. Nope. Crown can do that, and we can't. And can lots look of at the list in advance to see how many files are in a courtroom. Well, I've also had Crown who know who the judge is, and we're supposed to have a blind rota. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, um, I, I don't like that home field advantage thing that uh, the Crown have. Bothers yeah. me. Bothers me. And I don't um, get that same sense when I've appeared in court in Alberta. Um, and, um, you know, maybe it's the court clerks calling the list is funny, part of that. Funny, funny you mention Alberta as a different jurisdiction there. Yep. Thinking about Alberta. Anyway, moving on to... The Ridiculous Driver of the Week! The Ridiculous Driver of the Week! Excellent. It's I don't not know the anti-masker at traffic court. It is a man from Florida. 
Oh. I got Florida on the brain these days. I know. It's um, so dark and dismal here. And this, two years this ago. Time last year. Was it last year? Yeah. Yeah, it was a year ago. Feels like forever ago. Yeah. Beautiful Key West. Um, anyway, in Florida, a man is facing charges after he got the ultimate revenge on a tow truck company. <laughs> I know this one. I know this one. It was in Florida. I read it too. Uh, you know, people hate tow truck drivers and hate tow truck companies. I came out of uh, uh, Il Giardino once. We were having a uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, party for Debbie, who was our assistant. And actually, she went to work for the government uh, in the traffic court registry, but she was our legal assistant for a long time. So we were having a go-away dinner, and I walked out, and my vehicle was being picked up by a tow truck. I started laughing with the tow truck driver. I, I paid him the money and got my car back down. He said it was the first person he's ever had who was laughing when, when their car was being towed. Anyway, so what happened in Florida, Kyla? Let's know. This guy, you take my car, I take your car. He stole a tow truck to get revenge on the tow company for towing his car. Well, you know, a lot of people with anger out there. I, <laughs> anger you know what? Issues. I don't. I don't hate the plan. I'm kind of like, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah makes no, perfect sense. No, I can understand it. I mean, <laughs> when my vehicle's been towed, my, my, uh, our smart car was towed once when, uh, um, Sasha parked it behind the office in the wrong spot mm-hmm. and it was towed and I had to go retrieve it because I'm, you know, was the register. I think I still am. If it, you know, we had two smart cars at that point. Anyway, once again, I was laughing, phoning the tow yard. It was Drake's towing. I'm like, yeah, you guys towed my car. How many cars have I had towed from that spot over the years? This time, somebody had my car towed. Anyway. Yep. Got their revenge. God, I remember I was in Edmonton once, and it was minus 30, and I went with my friend Leanne to uh, a bookstore on Jasper Avenue that we wanted to go to, and I parked in a spot that you couldn't park at until uh, after 3 o'clock. You couldn't park there. Years later, I remember it was, um, uh, there was a lawyer's office in the same building as the bookstore. Uh, it was Brian Barish's office, I think, at that point. Anyway, we had to walk, um, for whatever reason, we walked to the tow yard, and it was a long walk at minus 25 to get my car out. Oops. Yep. I didn't steal any tow trucks, though. I was angry. Not that angry. You know, I'm never that angry. Yeah, I've know. never stolen a tow truck. I can honestly say that. In this podcast. But uh, I've often thought that I would enjoy being a tow truck driver. I ever tell you about the time I had a tow truck driver took chase after my client, and it was on uh, Highway 1, and they were up to like 130, 140 kilometers an hour? Nice. Yeah. The, uh, it was a trial. Did they get to tow him in the end <laughs> for the 215? <laughs> no, probably not. It was early in my career, and it was a trial Judge Kerry Smith. And, um, I asked the, uh, he was, he was quite funny, uh, his, in his way. All your Judge Smith stories are, are worth listening to. Uh, oh, well, he, he was a very good guy. He was the first person I did a bail hearing in front of. Um, anyway, uh, so I'm running the trial, really nice prosecutor too. She did a very good job, but I'm running the trial and the tow truck driver was on the witness stand and I asked him if he had a license to speed. Uh, <laughs> do you have a, like, a, like James Bond has a license to kill? Do you have a license to speed? And I think... Uh, Judge Smith thought my question was offside, and he said, uh, uh, Mr. Doroshenko, you know there's no such thing as a license to speed. And then he paused, and he said, and besides, if there was, I'd have one. (laughs) 
he had a uh, a red two-door Acura sports coupe, and I saw him cross over two lanes to go to a uh, a convenience store on uh, on Abbott Street one day, and he parked not quite the way he should. And I really wondered what did he need in that convenience store so badly <laughs> to go there. Anyway. It could be, probably for chips. Yeah, anyway, lovely guy. He was a great judge. <laughs> well, I guess we're going to leave the podcast listeners with the uh, dulcet tones of like what you do. You can't, you can't introduce your own song. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> so this is, again, oh. Kyla's punk song, but it's been, it's been uh, redone this time as a smoky song, and I'm thinking of redoing it as a country song. I like what you do. I like what you do. I like what you do. Just don't like it from you. So now that you've heard my version, you can listen to Kyla's version and decide which is better. Just don't like it from 
Just don't like it from 